Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Greetings and felicitations. What's up, guys? How you doing? Did you say felicitations? Felicitations. I thought it was... Never mind. I don't know. No, uh, I recently <laughs> watched the um, Squire of Gothos episode of the original Star Trek. Oh, And okay. that's how Trelane introduces himself to them. Greetings and felicitations. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. It's a great episode. It's classic. Okay, cool. This is now Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> exposure. I think there's plenty of podcasts that take care of that. We're really? good. Are you sure? I don't know. Well, you... Yeah, let's let's stay in our lane, maybe. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what we've been watching this week? <laughs> cool. <laughs> Star Trek, apparently. Let's roll right into that. Uh, Jason, what you've been watching? Oh, I have to go first. Okay. <clears throat> That's your punishment for that weird intro. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep things, you know, fresh, exciting. Um, okay, so I th- you guys know that I'm a big fan of Red Letter Media, right? No. Mm-hmm. Never, yeah, never, never heard of him. He mentions it like once Every- a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back and watched one of their old movies I'd never watched. It's from 2010. It's called Feeding Frenzy. Okay. It's like a mm. horror comedy. That sounds fun. That's a fun name. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, In this movie, their character, Mr. Plinkett, you know, played by Rich Evans, is like he owns his hardware store and he's got these monsters down in the basement and he <laughs> murders prostitutes to feed to them. Yeah. Okay. And then the hardware store employees get involved trying to figure out what's going on. And <laughs> just fucking hit the I, table. But did you hear anything? <laughs> two minutes in. Yeah, I heard it. That's how I knew it was. You made it two minutes. <laughs> but it was so quiet. I don't. I bet no one out there heard it. Hey, if anyone out there heard it, write us and let us know if you heard that sound just now. Because I think it was pretty faint. Whatever. Go and on. Michael's you. making a big deal Go on, about you, it. You, All right. You so. fuck up. Keep on with it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking up the podcast. And... I talk with my hands. I can't help it. <laughs> Tell us about this movie. Um, it, it's amusing. It's. I mean, it's one of their early efforts. So, I mean, I think they've gotten a lot funnier over the years. Like their stuff now is really hilarious. I think. Um, so, I mean, it's it's fun. It's goofy. It's not meant to be taken seriously. You know, obviously. But uh, watch it. <laughs> if you like if you, if you like red letter media, watch it. That's on the DVD cover. Watch it, <laughs> Jason. Genre exposure, <laughs> the film podcast. So is it is it sort of like maybe referential, I guess, to their own kind of jokes and stuff? Or you know, that's the thing. It's not really. It doesn't really sync up with their type of humor on their YouTube videos. I think mm. it's very much trying. It's it's sort of an homage to movies like Critters and stuff like that. Okay. I do love like critters. Little creatures get loose and they're very critter like, you know. How'd they do it? Stop motion puppets? No, puppets. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's amusing. There are amusing parts. It's also weird seeing them like 10 years ago. They look so young and different. Mm. So, it's it's fun. And Jason's a rich fan. So. <laughs> I, he, yeah, well, sure. Who Who isn't? I mean, I like rich. Okay. That's, yeah. All right. I was getting worried there for a minute. I don't think I'm as big as a fanboy as you I was, are. I was but... about to ask you to step outside. <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch them, so I don't have a dog in that fight. Do you never watch Red Letter Media? No, not really. I just don't have the time. Don't have the time. Mm-hmm. You will, you will you will write reams, treatises on obscure Japanese horror films, but you don't have the time to watch a 10-minute YouTube video. Yeah, because he's writing reams and treatises on Japanese horror films. There's no time for that other That's shit. That's fine. That's cool. You know, you spend your time the way you want. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Michael? What did you watch? So I watched um, one that I've actually been pretty excited about since I heard about it. Um, I'm a big Neil Marshall fan. Mm. Um, even though Hellboy was a pooper. 
but that's not his fault. That was a, no, there's a lot of issues with that one. Yeah, a lot of studio intervention, nobody listening to anybody kind of a thing. So I don't judge him by that, but as far as like Dog Soldiers, The Descent, Doomsday, I, I absolutely love those movies. They're so cool. Yeah. Um, so The Reckoning uh, from 2020, which was Neil Marshall's kind of take on the Witchfinder, um, Witch Trials kind of a thing, but... Overdue for someone else to go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there's really when I was watching and I was thinking there's not a whole lot of great, like really good movies about that. There's a mm-hmm. lot of that really kind of skirt around it but never get good. Well, the really unfortunate thing is Neil Marshall's isn't either. Oh no, <laughs> I know, no, I know. I was so interested to hear you say, "Oh, it's a return to form." It's oh no. This... So here's my take on it. Um, it film opens with um, a young girl seeing her mother be taken by uh, witch finders. She's burned, um, you know, but her, her mother's given the opportunity to say like, you know, announce that you're a witch and we'll spare your daughter kind of a thing. Well, of course, any parents going to like, well, yeah, you right. know, don't hurt my child. Mm-hmm. So as she grows up, the plague is happening now. Um, and so it's kind of interesting timing for this movie. Cause there's a lot of like plague panic happening so it's as well set in modern times the plague happening <laughs> is that what you're saying? different plague oh. different different oh. same shit different day oh capital p plague yeah capital oh, okay. p plague right. the plague oh, okay mm-hmm. um but her husband contracts the plague and then dies well now the other townspeople this is where the movie kind of starts to become problematic mm-hmm. and i think its biggest problem is it doesn't it's got three different stories happening oh there's mm. too much going on and it's not completely directed at one singular plot you hit line. It. You just, no, you I just hit it. I did. I hit it. Right. I hit it. I'm going to edit mine out, though, somewhere later. Oh, you jackass. <laughs> but there's not one singular plot line. It seems like there's three different things that kind of like steer off a little bit. Mm-hmm. None of them fully get answered. I'm not sure what why that happened. Hmm. Because you've got the landowner who's now super interested in the main character because now she's, you know, like single lady <laughs> you know um and so he kind of wants her for himself but she's obviously not going to do that mm-hmm. so then the accusations start coming of oh well she's a witch so let's you know get our revenge on this lady because you know she's a witch and she won't have anything to do with me <laughs> obviously but then it just kind of steers to where the second act of the film is just all the witchcraft torture mm-hmm um, I think a lot of critics are being too harsh on this part of the film. Though. They talk about it being torture porn. I completely uh, disagree. That people throw that around so much now. Just yeah. Like anything. I didn't feel this was torture porn at all. They actually don't show very much violence towards women, which I thought was a really interesting choice by Marshall. Most of the violence is done by women to men, um, which I, from interviews that I've heard with him about this film is what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm which was switch that genre on its head to where you can actually get female revenge for, you know, the atrocities that are being committed against women in the witch trials. Right. Hmm. Um, this, it's not particularly well acted either though, is one of the problems. My wife watched it with me and she was like, God, that's bad. <laughs> and she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really a, mostly a cast of no names. Like um, the biggest name in the, in the movie is Sean Pertwee. Yeah. Who's done a lot with Marshall. Yeah, he's great. He's always awesome. Um, Charlotte Kirk is the star, and she's fine. Mm-hmm. She's she's fine. I don't feel she had the best charisma for the film, like to be the full carrier of it. But this is a one thing I wanted to mention 
that's kind of hit me a little weird with this. She is also involved in a relationship with Neil Marshall. And sometimes I don't think that's always the best idea. Uh Uh-oh. So there were times where you could have seen maybe if there wasn't that personal connection between Mm -hmm. the two that Marshall could have been like, let's shoot that again. (laughs) Because... Mm -hmm. So kind of a Tim Burton situation. Yeah, or yeah. I'm also thinking, what is it, um, Paul Anderson and uh, oh um, Mila Jovovich. Mila Jovovich, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. I'm not sure. If I got you. No, I know what you're saying. Been a good one of those. <laughs> um, say no more. Say no more. But uh, it felt that way a lot. Now it, it it does have some redeeming qualities. There's some a couple really really cool kills. Um, I think budget was kind of low on this though. Because there was a lot of times where you could see a great kill coming and it just didn't happen. Hmm. So I'm not sure if they had the budget for it. But a couple were awesome. So this is on Shudder, though, thankfully. Shudder. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sponsor us, Shudder. <laughs> um, critics have been tearing this one apart pretty heavily. Like, it's not hmm. rated very well. Hmm. I don't think it's a complete throwaway. So I think if you... It's got a very specific mood that I think is super cool. Um, very Neil Marshall looking. Well, and for one thing, there's so few films now in this genre style, yeah. like subgenre category. What are you going to watch otherwise? Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's worth throwing away at all. But mm. I also think that you should curb your expectations a little bit going in, um, because I was exactly like Jason, like, oh shit, yes, Marshall's yeah. back, studio's not involved, <laughs> great director. And I love that subgenre, you know, the whole witchfinder thing. It's... So I think it's definitely worth watching for tone. Um, as far as that goes, but overall, it's not great. It's really disappointing. Hmm. And I think that's a thing too. Sometimes we need to be aware of is like, not every film can be the descent. Yeah, yeah. Even when it is a great director, like you're not going to do that every single time you make a movie. And a lot of the online reviews are doing that. They're like, hmm. oh man, the dude made the descent and he's now making this. Like, oh, come on, guys. I mean, like, you just can't. There's no way. No. Yeah. And. I mean, I was even digging in before that, like with Dog Soldiers. Yeah. I, thought, I great fucking movie. love that movie. Well, Doomsday is also a really fun movie. It's a great movie. It is gets it, dogged a lot, too, it is though. It's good as The Descent, no, but it's fun as hell. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that this movie has some really fun moments and some fun things to take from it, but I was disappointed. I went in, I think, with my expectations way too high and kind of got let down. But That's sad. Yeah. Oh, well. So it seems like worth a watch. Just manage your expectations. Yeah, exactly. And it's Shutter, so it's already there. You sh- by now, if you're listening to this and you don't have Shutter, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Go ahead and get it. There's plenty of shit on there that we watch. So just get it and watch it. Yeah. Cool. Unless you don't have time, like Dustin, you can't watch. Yeah. I, I make time for Shutter. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So Dustin, what you watch? I just don't have time for YouTubers. Oh, ooh. shots fired. Ooh. Oh, Aren't shit. we on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But we're not YouTubers. There's no. a difference between being. Yeah. Hey, so, you can listen to our podcast on YouTube if you want. You can. Most people don't, but the option's there. Do it your way. So, I have an interesting movie to talk about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Winter Beast. Oh, okay. You were talking Winter to Beast. us in the in the messages about Winter this, Beast. but I didn't know Holy what the hell shit. that is. Holy shit. Winter Beast. Really? Oh my god. Yeah. So, this is 1992. It's a regional film. So I think we've talked about this a few times before, like regional filmmakers, that's people that work outside of like the Hollywood industry. They'll use like local actors, local production staff. It's all shot on location somewhere. Like their patron St. Don Dollar. Yes. And so Wolf Cop like that too. Is it? I don't don't know. I 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 don't
So this is directed by Christopher Ties, I believe is his name. Hope I said that right. If not, I'm sorry. Uh, it's his only film he's ever made. So mm. this is one and done. And holy he nailed the first time. <laughs> holy crap! Right. Like you're you're good, man. You I don't need, need to do anything, anything else. <laughs> so it's set uh, in a rural New England town, and it's not the winter; it's the fall. Even though it's called Winter Beast, Winter Beast is coming, and um, they're being brutally ravaged by these killings mm-hmm. that are these uh, Native American totem poles that are animating and coming to life. <laughs> that already sounds awesome. <laughs> is that the titled Winter Beast? That is the title of Winter Beast. Okay. And so it plays a lot with that, like, uh, like they try to use, like, Native American lore. And I think most of it's made up. It's nothing pulled from anything too serious. And That's insulting. Uh, <laughs> watching it now, it's maybe a little problematic because everyone's being like, oh, the Indians, the Indians, sure. da, 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 da. Right. Here's these relics that they gave me, da, 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 da. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, temper your mind when you go in with that. But it's so crazy. So it's this uh, ranger crew that kind of patrol the mountain, and someone goes missing up on top of one of the mountains. They go to try to find them. They can't. There's this whole thing about, it's almost like a rip off a Jaws angle going in where this guy's moved back to town and his family used to run a lodge on the mountain and he wants to reopen it and make it a big tourist attraction. And so the rangers are wanting to shut down the mountain to find this missing person. And the guy running this lodge is just like, no, you'll scare off my guests. What are you doing? <laughs> Naturally. Uh-huh. Naturally. Um, and so that's all good until you get to the monsters. So they're literal like stop motion clay figurines of like giant entities. There's a giant tree monster. There's a big Bigfoot guy. There's a giant lizard. That's cool. There's a big alien look. It almost looks like the typical like alien gray, but it's got this darker skin. And it's very crude. It's not like Harryhausen or anything. Mm-hmm. But like they come to life in stop motion and then they'll like pick up a person and just like chop their head off. Uh, that's pretty awesome though and when they pick up the people it'll be like a real shot of a person they grab them then they lift up like a clay figure of them yeah, and they tear like, their head off like old school right here yeah. type stuff yeah. and it's that's the thing is like it's not a great movie but it's so much fun um they even tell you so this was restored by vinegar syndrome uh, of course it was of course <laughs> they've started this series called the homegrown horrors and like each box set will be like three regional films that are notable that they've restored and put back out so on this one, at the start, they kind of give you this title card, and it's like, hey, just so you know when you watch this, some of it was shot in 8mm, some of it was shot on 16. So sometimes it will switch, and it'll look weird, but don't worry. <laughs> and then it says, oh, by the way, also the music was recorded in a really weird way, so sometimes it's just going to distort, and that's normal. <laughs> so it's 8mm on Blu-ray. Yeah. How does it look? When it switches, you really notice because, like, it gets tighter in on the shots. It's very extra grainy. It looks really, really weird. Eight millimeter, really? Yeah. Um, wow. It turns into a snuff film. <laughs> and, it, and it is a little dry sometime, and, you know, the acting's not great. But it's so it's so weird and so strange. It's almost Twin Peaksy mm-hmm. at time because there's these awkward moments of dialogue that don't make any sense. Huh. Uh, there's weird – something will happen. Like, you'll see someone die, and you think there's going to be this bigger thing going on, and then it just cuts to people at, like, a fall festival. And I think it's really just a fall festival that happened in this town, and they kind of just... Oh, dis- you, you want to take <laughs> yeah. advantage of those local events. <laughs> yeah. That gives you so much production value. They just, like, descended on it and shot footage and stuff. Um, the villain, who is this guy that runs the lodge, he is completely bonkers and weird and, uh, like, 11 the whole film. <laughs> and there's this big climactic point where the rangers are coming to, like, confront him. 
And so he puts on this weird, like, plastic clown mask. <laughs> he puts on a record, and it's this weird, like, 19, like, 40s, 50s children's song with, like, a high-pitched, almost like a Tiny Tim voice no, singing. That's creepy. And he, like, prances and dances around the lodge while the corpses of all the people that are dead are just, like, in a seat at a table. Can we get a YouTube link in our drop for this episode <laughs> if, just with that? If I can find that scene, yes, because it is so fucking crazy. I have to make it. Um... So technically not a good movie. You would probably give it like a two, but I was like, no, Winter Beast, fucking Winter Beast. Four <laughs> stars. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, I remember seeing the video art for this back in the day mm-hmm. and mentioning Twin Peaks. The, the tagline was Northern Exposure meets the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. It sounds like if it was a couple of years later, it would have said Twin Peaks meets <laughs> the Evil Dead. But the- I always remember seeing that tagline and laughing because... Okay. And there sure. definitely is an Evil Dead vibe to some of the monsters. Like, uh, the main ranger, he has these nightmares that kind of, like, prophecy what's to come. <laughs> and so there's this one where it's, like, a guy, and he falls back against a tree, and his chest explodes, and this, like, skeleton head thing kind of breaks out. Cool. And it's, like, writhing and throbbing and going, like, <laughs> Sure, right. <laughs> if it's... All you had to tell me was stop motion. Yeah. And it's... I will... I'll give anything stop motion a chance, just because I... It's such a lost art now, man. <laughs> no, like, I know. No, I mean, fun. granted, that was 92, mm-hmm. so it's not like it's you know still happening. I thought it was but... earlier than that. What no, it's 92. Renner Reese is 92? It doesn't look like it's 92. It looks like an 80s film. it was film. late 80s. No, it's 92. Was that when it released or when it was shot? Because it may have sat on the shelf for a couple of years. That I don't know. Oh, well, I need to know. Do more research. You come prepared for this. <laughs> I have questions. Nerd I want answers. <laughs> this, uh, this isn't the movie at hand. This is just... it's. You know, fucking Winter Beast. Uh, well, maybe, okay, maybe someday <laughs> we should do a whole episode just on Winter Beast. Maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> so yeah, go go seek that out. Vinegar Syndrome is great. They find all this weirdness and restore it and give it new life. Yeah, they're, they're a great label. So I love them. Cool. Alright, so today's movie. Michael, it was your pick. It's my pick. It's my pick. Oh man, I was super excited about this one because I absolutely love A24 films. It's our jam. We love A24. Yeah. Uh, and whether you call it elevated horror or not, I don't, I don't really give a shit. I just. Elevator horror. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was that one uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, or Devil. 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 It's actually a pretty good movie. He only produced it. Oh, he did? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's what I took away from it was the. the yeah, it was cover directed by. Uh, the, the guy who did the Poughkeepsie tapes, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. callback. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, anyway, uh, so A24's uh, n- most recent release was 2019's Saint Maud, uh, directed by Rose Glass. And we should have seen this last year, if not for the pandemic. Yeah, pandemic kind of fucked this one up a little bit. Um, it's okay, though. I mean, shit happens. Mm-hmm. I-, I think that... <laughs> Pandemics happen. Yeah, <laughs> every hundred years. But no, I honestly kind of feel like, in a way, some of the more independent studios did better, right? Because they don't—they're not shackled into the whole right, like release right. cycle. They're, they're like, okay, well, things got fucked up. Well, we'll roll with it, and we'll just release it how we can. And maybe we made a little bit less money than we would have otherwise. But like, Full Moon's been on overdrive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, pandemic. Yes, you're stuck at home with nothing else to watch. Fuck yes. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, the tagline for St. Maud, uh, the IMDb tagline here, is uh, that St. Maud follows a pious nurse who becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her di- dying patient. Okay, well, that already, I think, is part of the problem here. Really? I don't 
think that that's a great tagline for this movie. Let's what would you give description? Well, let's start with kind of how this movie starts. We see our our main character uh, Maud. Mm-hmm. Um, she starts. We kind of see her getting ready for her. Looks like her shift. She's putting on her nurse's outfit, kind of mm-hmm. you know getting her space cleaned up and picked up. Um, and then we follow her to this kind of mansion up on a hill. Now I'm confused about exactly what this where this town is. Um, most it seems like some sort of coastal UK-ish town. I want to say it's Wales. I think it is Wales because based on a lot of the names of the actors, mm-hmm. and that was actresses the vibe I got. Yeah, that um, I mean, which would be our second movie set in Wales. There's a lot of nouns in the names, <laughs> and so I figured it was. The, it seems kind of Walesish. Um, also, beautiful scenery Welsh. of the town. It's yeah. gorgeous. It really is. But I, and I like that it's almost um, like could be set anywhere. Mm-hmm. That also looks like it could be a New England town as well. And I think what threw me is that she, as she's walking past, there's like a Coney Island. Uh, yeah, because at first I was like, oh, is this in like New York? I or know something? it was like, really strange, but it looks like it's just a gimmicky little place that's mm-hmm. like a boardwalk type yeah, um, attraction. Like an and American right thing. out of the gate, there's really right out of the gate, right out of the gate, there's very awesome camera work in this film because it's pretty typical for A24, I guess. But these wide shots of just like scenery, yeah, always so gorgeous, really pulls you right in. Yeah, I think it gives you great sense of the scope mm-hmm. of the film you know it, it almost is like showing you this is where this entire film will take place right right here well since you mentioned it yeah i was wanting to shout out uh ben fordsman was a cinematographer on this and mm. it is a gorgeous movie yes it, the visuals else, are it is top notch gorgeous i think this is one of his first features oh really so ah. keep your eye on him because this is a beautiful movie definitely Oh, he actually did. Uh, this is interesting. I've got him pulled up. He actually did some center photography on um, the end of the fucking world, which oh, is right. that Netflix show. I haven't watched ah. that. It's actually good. Yeah. Um, it's really really dark. Cool. Um, but my wife actually loved it. Mm-hmm. She she's the one who kept dragging me through that show when I wanted to quit because it's so dark. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, but also that has Steve Oram in it, who is in um, uh, Dark Song. Mm. Yes. Cool. So, okay. Cool. Interesting. Right. Cool another, connection. Another reason there. to check it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, totally off track there. But anyway, uh, next we see Maud um, go to her next assignment. It looks like she's an in-home nurse. Um, she goes to a dancer's house. She's mm-hmm. a retired dancer who is dying of cancer. It's uh, Amanda, played by Jennifer L. And so Amanda gives you that vibe of like the very artsy, um, artistic. Mm-hmm. You know, like. A dancer, you know. Bohemian type. Yeah, bohemian's the word. I'm it getting, felt yeah. like she could fit into the Suspiria remake. Oh, oh totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. definitely. Um, but as Maud is coming in and she's changing shifts with nurse and she asks her, the other nurse, she asks her, like, how is she? You know, what's she like? And it sets up for such an interesting thing because the nurse says on the way out and she's a bit of a cunt. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shit. Okay, well, this is going to set up an interesting yeah. um, dichotomy here between the two characters. And as it starts going, um, Maud, you know, starts taking care of Amanda. And Amanda doesn't really seem that bad. No, she seems nice. She seems nice enough. She's very, um, she goes along with whatever needs to be done for her care. You know, she's getting bathed. She's doing stretches. And probably one of the first things we should note about Maud as like a character is that she's very religious. Yeah. We yeah. get that right That's out of the an gate. understatement. Right. Yeah, she's – but we don't see just how religious mm-hmm. yet she is. She looks to me just like anyone who might be a devout Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she has her, her crucifix on the wall of where she's staying that she 
carefully packs with her to make sure that she takes with her on yep. each next assignment. So nothing overly zealous. Not out you, of the gate, no. No, not out of the gate. Um, but as Maude starts to take care of Amanda, you know, she doesn't really notice too much, you know, different about Amanda, just that she's sad for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, where that started to turn, where you see Maude start to shift a little bit towards her view of Amanda is when Amanda has her female visitor. Mm-hmm. Is that when you think it probably is the... Well, there's some interesting stuff about the relationship between of them, or the two of them early on, where they have these interactions, and you can tell, I think, to Maude, it's clear that these are just, like, innocent, like, you know, I'm the nurse helping my patient, but you kind of get this vibe from Amanda that's almost, like, romantic in nature a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Amanda notices her crucifix, and, you know, you're Catholic, and who's your saint, and all that stuff like that. So, I mean, immediately, Maude is sort of, oh, she's interested in my beliefs. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I think that kind of opens her up to Amanda a lot more. And, and some of, you see some interactions between the two of them, like when Amanda's praying, mm-hmm. um, you know, or not when, I'm sorry, when Maude's praying, and Amanda's going along with it, mm-hmm. um, which at the time, we think Amanda's just being respectful. Right. Um, kind of I mean, turns out. What you would do if you're in that situation. Exactly. Turns out she wasn't. Well, actually, I think she was. I think she was being respectful towards her until Maude starts to pry a little too far. Yeah. Um, And that's where it kind of shifts. But Amanda has a female visitor uh, one night, and it turns out that Amanda is gay. Mm -hmm. Or at least bisexual. The film doesn't specifically label. She she has a gentleman caller at some point, too. She's probably bisexual. Kind of the vibe I got from her is it's like anything anything goes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the the film never really, you know... As it develops, you can tell that probably when she wasn't sick, she probably had a very, like, hedonistic lifestyle, I would say. Lots of parties. Yeah, yeah. And so Maude starts to see this, and she thinks, like, oh, okay, well, she doesn't necessarily agree with her lifestyle. Her stance is that, like, she's at the end of her life... And she needs to worry about, like, her future in the sense of, like, afterlife. And Maude decides that she needs to save her soul. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas Amanda kind of could give two shits about it, really. Mm -hmm. She seems to be at peace, or as much at peace with the end of her life as she can be Mm -hmm. um, with the shit hand she got dealt. So, um, I think the interesting thing, I'm kind of torn on how to even lead talking about this film. Because it's it's odd. It's definitely an odd movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I'll call it odd, necessarily. How do you mean? Um, it's linear, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Okay, so I'll just kind of go to where the the interesting things that I that I think is that you start seeing that for me started to rope me into this film a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maud starts to have. Um, the director calls them godgasms. Yeah, <laughs> in an interview, which I thought was great. As Maud is praying or seeking God in her mm-hmm. private time, she seems to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's, that's, ta- that's how they look, right? Yeah, and it seems to be what they are, and so that's already like, okay, well, is this like a supernatural type feeling that she's Mm. getting like there is you know precedence for that if you look at like some of these like experiential versions of christianity where it's like the like kind of the ecstasy overcomes you as you're praying and stuff like that right it's called religious ecstasy Mm -hmm. and it's a bona fide happening happens a lot so and that's different like i think i should preface this by saying that i almost feel like i'm a little skewed in how i viewed this film because i was brought up in a 
Southern Baptist home, mm-hmm. non-Catholic. So a lot of things, Catholicism are very foreign to me just because I wasn't around it mm-hmm. that much. So for me, I'm like, well, that kind of seems weird anyway, you know? Were you ever, did they ever do any faith healing or anything? Did you ever see any of that? Oh, yeah, I saw tons of that. Because that's the same thing. Okay. That's mm-hmm. the exact same But thing. that's what I thought was kind of interesting because when you think of like very standard Catholicism, it's very regimented, very regulated, very like standardized. And so these experiences Maude is having are kind of like, out of the ordinary from that, if that is what her belief is. Right, right. So, and that's, yeah, like you were saying, it's your first hint that like, is something supernatural going on or is something up with Maud or what is now it? Now we do see early on that Maud has, um, an interest in self, uh, flagellation, mm-hmm. I guess is how you'd pronounce that. Am I yep. pronouncing that right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> which, which that is a very, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're into some flagellation, Jason. So which I that just... is a very like old school going back in like the history of Catholicism kind of thing. Right. Like pain. Mm-hmm. You experience the pain. Penitence. You have, you have to yeah. suffer too. Um, and it's something very simple at first. She looks like she takes some popcorn kernels or rocks or I don't know what those were. Um, but she yeah, puts they were, them. They were corn kernels. Corn kernels. Mm-hmm. Okay. She mm-hmm. puts them on the ground kneels on them to pray, mm-hmm. you know, something very minor painish. Like, that looks yeah. moderately uncomfortable, but not anything that you'd be like, okay, I'd never do that. <laughs> um, but I think the interesting thing is that once Maud starts to see and believe through prayer that her mission now in life and her mission, the reason that she's been stationed here is that she's supposed to save Amanda's soul. Mm-hmm. So that when Amanda dies, she will go to heaven and she, that she'll be able to repent in the time that she's here for her hedonistic lifestyle that she's led. Right. Um, I think Amanda's being super kind at the beginning of this. You know, she sees what she's doing. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious, but she doesn't fight it that much. She's just more like, okay, I don't believe that. So thank right. you, ma'am. And you can see how from her perspective, it's like, this is just going to make it easier if I just... Right, right. She's just going to be here to take care of me. I'll just go mm-hmm. along with it. Um, but I, as Maud starts to get pushier and pushier on this, and where we see the breaking point between the two characters is that after several visits um, from Amanda's lady friend caller... Uh, do you have her name there? Because I feel bad calling her it's, lady friend caller. It's, it's Carol, isn't it? Yeah, it was Carol. Yeah. Okay. Um, she confronts Carol and basically tells her that she needs to stop coming here because Amanda's at the end of her life. She needs to be focused on what's going to happen next and that Carol is a distraction and that she's leading her down the wrong path, Mm -hmm. which is, this is the most bold mod has been through the whole thing. Um, Carol obviously is like, who the fuck are you to say that? You know, like, it's her life. Right. Let her do what she wants to do. And so, but Carol does it. She leaves her alone. She doesn't come back. Except she does end up contacting Amanda and telling her why she hasn't been back. Because it plays out slowly, though, because at first when it happens, it's just like a clean break. Right. And you get a day or two of their, like, goings on where Amanda's very sad. And she kind of just wants to be left alone. She thinks that Carol's abandoned her mm-hmm. because it, that's what it looks like. It looks like, okay, well, you're dying, so I have no use for you. And just as they kind of start to, like, patch up their relationship, that's when she learns from Carol what actually happened. Right. And that sets their divide right there. Mm-hmm. That- Somewhere along the way, we also get a couple of breadcrumbs that uh, things beyond the obvious, that things aren't quite right with Maud because she runs into one of her former oh, workmates yeah. who I calls do. her Katie. Yeah, I think her name is Joy. <laughs> 
yeah. Joy. Yeah. So she calls Maud. And we Katie. learned that they used to work at a different place together. Right. Kind of then, more of a general hospital yeah. is the vibe I got. And Maud tells her that now she's working for a private care now. And Joy, I think her name was, she said. Uh, yeah, she's like, oh, they're, they're letting you work again? Like, mm. something bad happened? Right. They definitely <laughs> give you that slip in there of, of Maud's former life. And it makes you wonder, like, what did she get up to before she was, you know, in all this stuff? Yeah, and at the very beginning of the movie, we do see that brief part where it's like she's sitting in the corner of the room, her hands are bloody, and we see, like, a bloody person lying on the on the, on a gurney yeah. right. on the hospital bed, so we're not sure what happens. And I, one thing I was relieved of, that, it, that this wasn't like a flash forward. Right. Because yeah. I hate that. I hate that device in movies. Yeah. You know, where, where you see, oh, this is what's going to happen. Oh, wait for it. Oh, you can't <laughs> wait to see what's going to happen. <laughs> No, yeah, that, and I almost kind of glossed over that because I sort of forgot mm-hmm. about that at the very beginning of the movie. It's really a seed they leave you, and you kind of wait for it to blossom right. pretty late in the film. Uh, there's another thing that I thought was interesting. We see these kind of almost Sam Raimi-esque shots of, like, zoom in on the preparing of the drugs. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. For Amanda. And there's every a lot of these scenes you see um, an injection being given. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking, as we're seeing Maud having these, like, godgasms, and the way she sees things around the world as well, like, in her environment, mm-hmm. she th- sees things very, almost hypnotically. Um, you know, like, she'll see a lot of spirals happening mm-hmm. um, in drinks around her, or, like, she gets very focused on spirals. Yeah. Which I think is purposeful because of her spiraling. But sure. Also, I was doing a little bit of research on the whole religious ecstasy thing, and a lot of times the religious ecstasy people become overcome by emotion, the presence of God, whatever they think it is, and uh, they usually it takes the form of squealing, shrieking, an inability to stand or sit, uttering apocalyptic prophecies, holy laughter, crying, barking, and some people have made claims of seeing goat dust angel feathers huh. or holy clouds interesting the gold dust is interesting considering uh, a dark song yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah isn't it isn't it i've and you know i've seen stuff like this before not like in my personal life but like in, <laughs> in, <laughs> saw some holy clouds. i've seen some holy clouds before no like when i was younger and before i i'm trying to tread very carefully on this because i don't want to offend anyone who believes um, our goal is never to offend anyone. i don't want right. to offend anyone who believes this way but in my own personal belief i was calling bullshit at mm-hmm. a young age on a lot of this stuff for me i was like ah uh, i think it's bullshit i'm not sure though uh, there's a lot of explanations for what could be going on in a person's head when sure this happens so like, right to just sidestep that and not even like press on anyone's personal beliefs we we know confirm there's been like televangelists that have faked things right and that's probably where it stems for me is, you know, like you see some of those things and you just start to question like how much of that's real for you? How much of that is somebody really working you over kind of a thing, you know, but like that's neither here nor there. But I've seen people do some of these right. things, mm-hmm. you know, and you question like what's the reality of it? But again, it's real for them. So what am I to say? Also, go look at old footage of Beatles concerts. There are plenty oh, yeah. of girls <laughs> are doing the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. But as we... As she's as you see her interacting with her environment like this, I I looked over to, to Piper while we were watching this, and I was like, I think she's taking those injections. Mm. I don't know that I would say I ever got that vibe. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. I don't think I got it at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
but at the time, like this is like early to midway through the movie, and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm wondering if she's taking the medicine, and and she's like hallucinating, and maybe it's like a morphine type addiction sort of a thing, and maybe that's why she wasn't allowed to work again. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. they're still letting you nurse. I think it kind of. I don't know. It kind of pushed me towards that direction because I still wasn't quite ready to accept the supernatural. I can see that theory because it is very like a taboo situation if you get in trouble for something like that. Yeah. Like you're pretty much done nursing at that point. Yeah. My impression was purely that it was in her mind. Right. That's immediately where I latched onto that it was a mental illness. Right. Well, I think we get there. Right. I think we definitely get there. We'll go deeper on that in a minute when when we really kind of get into that. So I felt like for me that threw it just a little bit and I was starting to kind of look the other way like, okay, what's the angle here? What's going on? Um, But after Carol ends up telling Amanda what happened. Amanda uh, goes on the attack. She does. Yeah, there's and, a big party. She has this big soiree one night at her house. All these artsy types that are there, you know, it seem yeah. like former colleagues, dancers, friends. Yeah. Um, and it's a pretty hedonistic party. You know, like everybody's it's, it's right. for her birthday, I believe, is like the president, right? Right, yeah. yeah. I've seen better. <laughs> <laughs> Your own parties, sir, have been much more, much more terrific. But everyone there is very cold to Maud. Mm-hmm. They, they all You're mocking. Yeah, they all know. They all seem to know. Right. Um, but interestingly, I, I was really excited to see that when she was looking, when Maud at one point is kind of snooping through the house and she sees a book by William Blake yep. on the shelf. And Blake is notoriously, you know, anti, not necessarily anti-religion, but anti well, yeah. the religion that was pushed on him. That is a thing. We, organized religion. Yeah, organized religion. Yeah, because Amanda gifts her with the William Blake book. Mm-hmm. And writes in it, My Savior. My Savior. Yeah. Which she is, you know. And that just encourages Maud to pursue her ends to convert right. Amanda and save her soul. And... This is where Maud really starts to see that Amanda's that she's not having an effect. Mm-hmm. She sees that everything she's done was just yeah, they're really <laughs> shitty to her. It's like Carrie situation. Yeah, they put like that towel over her head, and they're like, "Oh, Saint Maud, Saint Maud, yeah. and stuff like that." And, and it was, and eventually Amanda just you know tears her down. Over yeah, what happened? Yeah, that part that scene was sad, and mm-hmm. you really feel bad for Maud because you don't fully know what's happened to her in the past. No, but mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome when Amanda slaps her. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would have done the same thing, you know, because it's horrible to get ridiculed. And, you mean when uh, when Maud slaps Amanda? Oh, sorry, right? when Maud slaps yeah. Amanda. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was that scene. You were like, oh shit. Yeah, but and that, at first she comes across as like very mousy and like meek, but when she does, you know, go mm-hmm. at her, you kind of get that hint that like, oh, maybe there's a little more to Maud. She has that like. um uh, that religious righteousness Mm -hmm. thing happening but that's where Maud falls apart though yes is after this Maud this was her calling she's obviously fired (laughs) yeah (laughs) Maud breaks at that point Mm -hmm. she tries to so she comes home and she basically puts on um, an outfit that I guess she considers as a risque or whatever (laughs) but definitely not doesn't it definitely look like someone who is like detached from that that wants to yeah, to come across as risque. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think it would be described as secular. Yeah, yeah. a very secular attire. <laughs> um, yeah, I put this in my notes. It was like after failing to say, try to save Amanda, she goes on a sin bender. Yeah, That's how I how I sin worded bender. it to myself. I like that. Well, and she goes. So she goes to a local pub or bar or whatever it is. It, it looks very. It's not like your typical British pub. It mm-hmm. looks a little different. But um, she's like making eyes at the first guy she sees. And gives an awkward handy J. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> just like full 
hard eye contact the entire <laughs> the entire act um and that was i remember laughing at it i was like oh that's intense <laughs> uh-huh. and as soon as it's over she's just like done mm-hmm. she's yeah. like walks so's so- the guy yeah <laughs> but she just walks away and he's like left there standing very awkward of like i don't know what i'm supposed to do now so he ends up just like going back and getting his buddies and leaving yeah um, so then she starts looking around the room again, like, okay, who's oh, next? And she's sitting next to that table and they're all like, there's a group of people and they're all laughing and she's kind of like joining in that hurt with the laugh. Oh God, that was so uncomfortable. That hurt. Yeah. <laughs> she's oh. just trying mm. to be welcomed into some mm-hmm. sort of anyone who's ever felt like they were on the outside watching this, I mean, you know, that feeling, you know, I think it's just, I think a uh, lot of us that are, I mean, definitely all three of us here. And then I think probably any, a, any horror nerds out probably there a lot of our fellow movie. horror nerds have been in this situation sure. where you just want so bad for someone to include you yeah even if you don't give a shit about what they're talking about right. just include me right it's why i don't go to parties man because you know <laughs> yeah i was never a partier you're like just okay well anybody want to talk about anime <laughs> no okay i'll just sit here um <laughs> but then so she ends up like roping another dude there and ends up sleeping with him mm-hmm. kind of schlubby guy yeah and they have, um, they have very awkward sex. It turns though. <laughs> it, it that that scene turns because Maud has she's having sex with this guy, and you get a flash of in Maud's head of something that's happened to her, and yeah. that was her performing CPR on somebody, right? And her hands going through the person's chest. Yeah, like a yep. thing. Except, yeah, except her hands don't get bit off, and she's not like. <laughs> yeah, but like her that hands. Been cool though. <laughs> her hands bust through this person's chest. Well, Maud screams. And stops having sex with this guy. <laughs> sure, understandably. And it looks like he's going to console her. And he's like, hey, hey, no, hey what's I never going thought on? that. No, I didn't. I never thought that. I didn't either. But, but we get a key piece of info from him is that he realizes that he remembers her. Yeah. And, and that she used to come to the bars all the time. Yeah, she used to be a wild child, apparently. Yeah, he, she'd apparently slept with somebody he knew and mm-hmm. several people he knew. So he was. But that's the part. That part got me, though, is that when she. When she, you know, kind of stopped having sex with him, and mm-hmm. he, and he's like, "Hey, it's okay, it's okay," and then he forcibly finishes. Yeah. He yeah. rapes her because she's like, "No, no," and but you see Maud just go blank. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's just gone numb, you know, completely blank, and she realizes this was the life that I had, and this is not, this didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's kind of what you get out of it in the end. Is like she thought she could just go back to that maybe, but it's not. It's not anything to her still, I guess. No, and then she really begins to spiral. I think, but I think that's for a lot of people who are really struggling with, I think this film is more about mental illness than anything else. Um, well, see, that's the thing. When I came in on this, I was like, oh, this is going to be a really like deep religious horror film that's going to yeah. have a lot of stuff to do with religion. I really don't think it has that much to do with religion. I think religion is just a vehicle to tell this story about mental illness. Yeah, which I think is a very fair vehicle to use mm-hmm. because... Religion is a very easy thing to get into for someone who is suffering with depression and anxiety because it offers you hope. It tells you, like, you are out of control and you can't help what's going on with you. But, you know, if you embrace this, it can – I'm trying to say this without sounding condescending at all. But, like, it can magically help you feel better, Mm. which for some people it does, but not for everybody. You know, that's why we have modern medicine and – professional help and mental health you know areas and doctors but she sees quickly that she found more meaning for her 
even in in her religion and and through her practices even though she was mocked and shunned aside by amanda's friends she still found more meaning through her i guess her religious um beliefs or rituals than she did in her old life Mm -hmm. but that kind of sends her into this spiral because she's like okay now i'm conflicted what do i do i felt like i had a calling i was feeling very good about what i was supposed to be doing and now nothing's working yeah she begins like self-harm even more She stepped off the path right exactly so now she's got to put herself back on the path and it seems like she needs to repent Mm -hmm. and you know, get herself back on. So God, this scene is so <laughs> fucking brutal. And that's when the self-flagellation really, 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 really kicks, kicks in to like old school Catholic. <laughs> you see her like kind of having her repentance for towards God. And she has another God gasm and realizes has, did it start speaking to her yet though? At this point? Not, Not yet. yet. Okay. No, I thought that was towards the very end of it. She, she begins harming herself even more. Right, she puts the nails in her shoes. Yeah, she like takes a uh, Holy Mary um, picture of some sort, and yeah, then it's like tax to it, or tax something. in it, mm-hmm. and puts, puts in them shoes. in as her um, inserts for her Chuck Taylors. <laughs> yeah, I mean Chucks aren't that comfortable. <laughs> these for are me not anyway. Dr. Scholl. These, these are not Doctor Scholl's. <laughs> no, 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 no. But God, that scene is so brutal. It doesn't show yeah. much. Well, you know what it feels like to step on a tack or something. Everyone and, knows what that feels like. Yeah. And imagine that, you know, Constant. ten times, constantly. And Ugh. so, yeah. And then you see her just walking that strip again in mm-hmm. those shoes. Um, now, this is where it came to a point that I thought was super interesting. And kind of I was glad for my religious upbringing because I, I recognized something kind of fun with this. And I was excited to talk to you guys about. Okay. Um, so, when she's kind of wandering, figuring out what she's supposed to do with, these, with her tack feet. And she... Ends up coming across this other nurse. Right. Who is now, I guess... Taking care of Amanda. Taking care of Amanda. Yep. She's her new nurse. Um, but this nurse is just sitting, having a sandwich, you know, looking out at the water. And and Maude starts to talk to her. And this nurse kind of reveals, like, all the reasons she likes nursing. Mm-hmm. And it's all the reasons that Maude liked nursing. And the, all the benefits Maude felt she could get personally mm-hmm. from nursing. And so that woman, when she asks her her name, the woman tells her her name's Esther. Okay, specifically, are you guys familiar with the character of Esther in the Bible? Very vaguely. Okay. So the moral that comes from the story of Esther is that Esther was the only woman in a secular field that knew that God's God's plans were working. Mm. That everyone else was trying to put all of these secular answers to everything. Mm -hmm. But Esther always knew that it was God working behind the scenes. And Esther had the faith to know that it was God controlling everything, that she just needed to do what God wanted her to do. Okay. So I found that super interesting. It was probably definitely an intentional choice. I think so. Yeah, I I definitely thought so. But I felt like if Maude was that you know, deep into Christianity, had she really read, you know, the Bible or anything, she might have gotten some sort of divine picture from that woman's name. Mm-hmm. That yeah. if I just do what God tells me to do, it may be hard, right, but right. I will get fulfillment from it. And if you're in an unhealthy frame of mind like that, you're going to be looking for like any kind of... right. Any message or anything that like affirms where you're going. I thought of what we talked about with Dark Song, with mm-hmm. magical thinking. Right. And the same goes here with almost that, it's almost like a religious magical thinking that everything has a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, So Maude ends up going up now to Amanda's house. 
Well, also, while she's on that walk, um, she finds Amanda at one point, and she's with Carol. And they're out on a... Right, right. About the city. Right. And that kind of drives her like, okay, well, now I really need to save her. And this is when she has that voice, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And is he speaking Aramaic to her? I think it's Aramaic. So I actually had some notes about that because it's interesting. Um, When God is speaking to Maud, it's actually Morphid Clark, the actress that plays Maud, and she is speaking Welsh, and they pitched it down several levels. Oh, that's super cool. cool. And what I think is awesome about that is if you come at this film from like a mental issue angle, that means that everything is just coming from her. Even the voice of God speaking to her, it's just Maud. Oh, wow. That's super interesting. That, so when I learned that little like factoid, I was like, oh. That's really awesome and kind of changes the way you view a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But this voice that she per- perceives as God is telling her, like, you know what has to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that if you just follow what I'm telling you to do, you know, you'll join me or like you'll be complete. Mm-hmm kind of a thing so that's where mod really starts to starts working on a plan and we're not quite sure what that is yet but it does seem to involve <laughs> acetone yes. and peroxide and i'm guessing holy water is what she's making in her mind yeah <laughs> and we get a final moment where that friend checks in on her again yeah oh that was super uncomfortable too oh yeah. that that scene really hurt though <laughs> and there's a specific thing that i noticed that was at the end of what she was saying Maud is staring at the window most mm-hmm. of the time. Like Maud doesn't want her to be there. Her friend's checking in on her. Maud doesn't want her to be there. She's trying to hide what she's doing. Um, but Maud is staring out the window and kind of trancing off. The sky is spiraling yeah. for her, and she sees the same things she's seen every other time. Which made me think of those holy clouds I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it hurts because as the friend starts to talk about what actually happened, this past like crisis event to Maud the audio just kind of like whites out. And I think what got me the most, and it it actually made me tear up a little bit um, just because like mental health issues are so close to me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, When she says her friend tells her right before the audio zones out, her friend says, I realize now we should have been there for you more. Right. Mm -hmm. And God, that hurt. Yeah. It's because you know, if you've dealt with somebody personally, that's been through a lot, and even if you don't understand it and you mm-hmm. don't understand what they're going through, you always have second guessings of, I should have been there for you more. Yeah, what more could I have done? Yeah, I should have taken the extra step. I should have yeah. sent you a text when, you know, when I was thinking about you. I should have let you know we care. And it, and that was just so hard mm-hmm. because at this point, I really feel sorry. I feel so sorry for Maude. And if we talk about, like, the tone and presentation of this film, so, like, so much of it is just Maude's perspective. So it's like the voice of God. It's Maude. Hearing this story, it gets blanked for us because Maud can't hear it. Right. Right. She, she doesn't want to accept what happened. Right. Mm. And so basically Maud's like, okay, it's time for you to go. Like she's now mm. got it in her head. She knows what she has to do. Mm-hmm. She takes her bed sheets. <laughs> she puts them <laughs> on herself. A, makes a robe sort of. She, she becomes St. Maud. She does. Yeah. And she goes to Amanda's home and she's now figuring out she needs to exercise this demon. Right. That yeah. is inside of of uh amanda yeah. what else could it be it's and gotta be it dude you know what's so fucked up is do you know how many times i've heard that from people oh uh, sure yeah sure. that are just like well the only explanation for why you're doing what you're doing is that you've got a demon in you it's, and we're gonna pray it out yeah, of you it's satan yeah and it's hard because <laughs> you're like no that's called yeah. mental illness that's yeah. not a demon right that's plaguing them that's called mental illness 
or yeah. dealing with something horrible mm-hmm. like that's coming, like your own death. Yeah. So Maud puts a little bit of this quote holy water on her skin <laughs> and burns the shit out of her. Well, because- and, but also to, to Amanda's credit, I mean she's obviously near death here, but she does say that she's sorry to Maud. Yeah, she yeah. treated her that way, and you know it was cruel. But she was she was trying to find amusement. Yeah, near, near the end of death. It is kind of it's kind of wild how good of a character Amanda turned out to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Yeah. She's dealing with her own shit, but is able to say, I'm really sorry for what I did to you. Right. Yeah. She's a very mature character. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. But yeah, she puts the, she anoints her, <laughs> and of course it's going to burn. It's freaking acetone. Yeah. She's putting <laughs> acetone on her skin, and it's finally when Amanda is like, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. There's This isn't real. Like, none of this is real. Yeah. She gives her that harsh talk. Yeah. That no one in this state wants to hear. Yeah. And so I thought what I thought was interesting is that Maud starts to cry. Mm-hmm. It's like she broke for a second. Yeah. And like she's she, like Yeah, but she straight up she says, you know, this isn't real, God's not real, none of this is working. Yeah. You're wasting your time. Yeah. And yeah, Maud starts to break down and then and you Amanda think, laughs. It's like, Oh, it's that easy. It's that easy to break your faith. And then it turns and and Amanda like they she's stretch demon. they stretch her face down. Yeah. It's a really cool gag. It was one of my favorite moments in the film. It yeah. was so like effective and well done. Right. Yeah, it was a very cool gag. You know, simple, but made her look demonic. Yeah. And now Maud's just like, well, I know what I have to do. Yeah. And so she goes at her with scissors. Kills yeah. her. And just, just takes her out, dabs man. her like 20-something <laughs> times and yeah. just kills her. She does. Um, and now she's covered in blood. Her robe is stained and Maud leaves. Sure. You know? <laughs> And she Maud goes down to the beach, mm-hmm. stands there, douses herself in. Um, I think it was also acetone. Yeah, it was yeah. A- um, douses herself in acetone, and we see her in a couple images. She has a lighter with her always, that you realize later on is a self-flagellation thing. She's flicking and burning yeah. her fingers, just like very little at a time. So. All of these people see Maud standing on the beach covered in acetone, and they're like, what the fuck is going to yeah, happen? Like, Wait, no, don't. <laughs> don't. You know? And so all these people kind of rush towards her. Maud flicks the lighter, and she goes up in flames. And we see all of these people who are coming around to help her drop to their knees, yeah. as in like a worshipful. Mm-hmm. And they're, and Maud is now glowing, which she, is... Yeah, she has angel wings. Obviously <laughs> fire, but like we see it as angel wings. Mm-hmm. And then we get just a split cut... That shows Maud burning. Yeah. And it's very effective, I it, thought. It goes from her perceived reality How to she what's thinks, really happening. Yeah, and literally she's standing there burning alive on a beach. And, and this actually goes back to something that you were saying earlier about the whole her speech from God was her speaking mm-hmm. in Welsh. And at the end, she says something in Welsh, too, in, in her reality. Uh, she says, glory to God. Mm. That's what she's saying at the end there. It's very much... Um, Something we've seen a lot in maybe other religions, um, like we hear a lot. Well, you did it now. Fuck, we all did it. <laughs> <laughs> that we we see that in like suicide bombings and people saying like "Glory mm-hmm. be to God," sure. you know, and taking that religious zeal mm-hmm. to an extreme. But I think my total takeaway from this film was just how quickly someone with unaddressed mental health issues can find something that speaks to them that tells them this is what will help me this is what's going to fix everything and how quickly it can lead you down to a path that's not healthy at all 
It's it's personal, so I don't want to go too far down it because it's not my thing to talk about. But uh, Tiffany, my girlfriend, for a time she worked at like a psych facility, right? And she would always tell me it was staggering the number of people that had like attached on to Christianity, sure, as like a thing, as part of their psychosis. It's because it's so hopeful, mm-hmm. you know. It's a it's a religion of hope that things are shit for me, but they won't be shit for me when I'm dead. Mm-hmm. So I just got to get through this, mm-hmm. and then they'll be better. When really there is help for you now, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people who can help with everything. But what we did find out, though, through the film, though, is what happened to Maud is that it looks like she was, in fact, performing CPR on someone and their chest caved in. Mm-hmm. Um, so my wife is a physician. So I was talking to her about this, about um, PTSD amongst medical workers. Oh, it's a, it's a real issue. Yeah. And she just was like, she straight stared. She was like, it's very real. She, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, she's like, you know. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. She's told me before, she's like, CPR is a very violent thing. Mm-hmm. And if it's not violent, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And she's like, I hope I never truly have to perform CPR. She's like, I'm, she's like, I can run a code. She's like, if somebody's dying, I am fully certified to do what's necessary to save that person's life. But she's like, I hope I never have to do it. Because I don't want to live with what happens mm. in my head after that. Especially if they're older. I mean, you're going to be breaking ribs at least. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. You know? Or the the amount of people that die on a surgical table. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you're not sewn up yet. But yeah, you right. still got to do something yeah. to save them. It's just absolutely traumatizing. And so that's where I think what Joy said to her about we should have been there for you more. Mm-hmm. Realizing, oh my God, she's experienced something that's absolutely life-altering that she can't deal with and she shouldn't be able to deal with really. I mean like, and now she's scarred for life from what she's seen and she's just trying to find any way she can to help that. And the thing is, if it was like a code situation and say maybe Maud was like the first person to respond to it, those happen so fast Yeah, that like any number of things could be tying up other people from getting there Oh yeah, to help too. So there is the very real potential that was like Maud was the first person there no one showed up to back her up in time, and then just yeah, Maude you know. could have easily been the you know the medical assistant. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trained in CPR, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone's got to be able to do something. She could have barely easily been like a medical assistant with like maybe a forty <laughs> extra hour degree on top of something. You know, right. like very little actual in person training yet. Yeah. And she's like, oh shit, well I got to do this, and I mean, look what it's done to her. Right. No, we'll say Tiffany did said say that she thought it was a little suspect if it, the caving chest thing was what it was because, uh, I guess from her perspective it was like you can take a lot of abuse there for CPR and not. Well, and I <laughs> I think her vision was over exaggerated. Yeah, her. it's yeah. imagining like what she felt was happening mm-hmm. when it happened. You know, like that's how she envisioned it. I can so see therefore, it that way. because sometimes. Uh, you know, a lot of times we envision things as a lot worse than what they were, but they're mm-hmm. very real to us. I, so. think, I think Maud is what you would call an unreliable narrator. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Tells a fucking great story, though. <laughs> so, with all that being said, I guess we should start talking about our final thoughts of the film and where we land on it. I know we're all <laughs> divided on this one a bit. Yeah, sure. So, I don't know. Jason, um, you want to start? Sure, I'll go first. Um... Well, I don't think we've we've talked enough about how good the leads are. Morphe Clark is amazing. Has she this. been in anything else either? 
by the way, because <sighs> she was very great in this. Quick. I think she's done a few things. Um, I know they've kind of already ran out the Carrie thing with that one remake, but if they wanted to remake it another time, I think she is like perfect to give it a go. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's done some TV work. She was in that Dracula miniseries. His I never watched materials. that. I heard mixed things. I tried what She was in Crawl, the movie Crawl. Uh, I didn't watch it. It's not very good. <laughs> I was going to say you didn't care for Crawl. <laughs> I'm not big on animal attack horror stuff. What about Razorback? Have you watched Razorback? Razorback? No, no. Well, that's why you're not big on the animal attacks, because you haven't watched Razorback yet. Razorback. <laughs> Um, but that's yeah, she's movie. an amazing actress. So I thought she was sure. great. I'm excited to see where she goes from this because mm-hmm. this movie did get a lot of critical acclaim, mm-hmm. um, even though it didn't get seen by a whole lot of people. And we haven't don't know if we've even mentioned her the whole episode yet. But Rose Glass, the director, this was her first feature. Yeah, I'm cool. I read some interviews with her. I'm super excited to see what she does. Next. Yeah, I think she's very talented. I think, yeah, I think this is a really good debut. I think it's strong. Before you go too deep, Jason, I do have one other fun factoid thing I'm going to toss out here. Sure. <laughs> so when they shot this, at first they shot it in a taller-than-normal aspect ratio. Uh, Glass wanted to do that to have more space and headroom for the characters. And then in post-production, it was reframed into widescreen, and they kind of extended the sides with uh, special effects. I read about that, mm-hmm. and that's, that's interesting. It, it didn't draw attention to itself. I don't yeah. think it, Nothing really looked off-frame. You know, everything looked good. Mm-hmm. It's interesting what it would have been like in its original presentation. I thought it was interesting because it shows that she clearly had a very strong vision oh, making this. Completely. And it's definitely influenced by, uh, I think it's neoclassicism. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back and look at paintings like the Ecstasy of St. Catherine of Siena. Yeah. Like the compositions and mm-hmm. everything. I can see that. It's right. I mean, they had to be influenced by this. Oh, I think so. For sure. It. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a gorgeous movie. I think it's well directed. I think it's well acted. Um. The plot, I mean, it, I like it. it. It's interesting. I was never bored. Um, I, th- I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I was expecting something, maybe wanting a little bit more horror, wanting a little bit more of that A24 gloom and doom and despair, you know? Um, that's a hard thing to really capture. I mean, not every movie can be like Hereditary, you know? Yeah. Um, for what it is, I think it's a good movie. It's strong. Um, it's another one of those great, it could be a play. You know, it's basically a few characters in a couple of settings. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's short, too. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's less than 90 minutes. Yeah. It's a perfect runtime. Anything longer would have been too long. Uh, I recommend it. I would give it three stars. Okay. All right. It's a generous star number for Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I don't know. I think I've been giving at least, like, threes and stuff like that, three and a halves. Three is good. Okay. Three is good. It's Two and a half is fair. Three is good. So, Dustin, do you want to dissent and I'll rebut? Okay. Yeah, I think that's the best way to end okay. it. Do the compliment sandwich kind of thing. All right. <laughs> so, it is a good movie. I had fun watching it. I think that everyone involved is very talented. I think Rose Glass is an excellent director. And I the ticket for whatever she makes next is automatically sold for me. I'll... Yeah. Whatever it is, I'll give it a shot automatically. That's all most people, most directors can ask for sometimes. That said, while I do like it and I do think there's a lot of interesting things going on in it, I had a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. It has that A24 vibe, whatever you want to call that, however you want to define it, but I don't think it ever reaches the height, like you were saying, Jason, of any of the other ones. Sure, but that's also, I mean, that's a tall um, order. It's like it's playing in that playground and it wants to play in that playground, but it never like goes the full distance. 
I kept the whole time I kept wanting more like what's going on is it going to be that she's possessed by a demon is Amanda possessed by a demon is it like Amanda's part of like a group of Satanists and they're toying with her are we going to get deeper into Maud's background and like really figure out like her psychosis? I think, I think you were rewriting the movie while you were watching. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the thing is like all the time I was like, oh, where's the next thing? Where's the more? How are we going to go bigger with this? What's the next thing? And it's not that kind of movie, but that is what I wanted. In the absence of that, I feel like it's just kind of, yeah. So you can't separate what you really wanted from its own merits? A little bit. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. because you know, it, it is an A24 film. It was hyped. Like, this is the next, this is the next link in that chain. I think it's, I think it's hyped wrong. Honestly. I do. That was one of the things in my notes is I think that they marketed and hyped this incorrectly. And in some of the reviews I've seen of this afterwards have also, I felt, reviewed it inappropriately. Right. I don't want to be too critical of reviewers because now I am writing reviews <laughs> over with Grimoire of Horror a little bit, but... Anyone that tried to promote this and say, like, this is the scariest movie ever, you will never believe what happens. Were there like, people doing that? Was yes. that part of the... I actually, yes. so before I came over here to record this, I was flipping through and there was an article that was like a new film that just dropped on Amazon Prime right now is absolutely scaring its viewers to death. Click here oh. to find out what it is. <laughs> well, that sounds like just your over It was clickbait. It oh. was clickbait. Oh. But then the article went on to be like, St. Maud is so terrifying. And I was like, there wasn't anything terrifying about it. No, no. So, so that, that's a, that's a fail on my part. Uh, I think the ending really bothered me too, because it's a really great moment where she goes fully angelic and everyone's bowing down. Mm -hmm. And then just a few seconds smash cut to her burning. Like it felt very unnecessary and it very pulled me out of the moment and like changed how I felt in a way. Like, to that point, uh, I think in general, like, you should never assume your audience is dumb. I know that, like, some big studios will I say, disagree. like... I disagree. I think you should always assume your audience is dumb. <laughs> I, I, okay, so if you're a big studio, you're going to assume that. But <laughs> I think to them and to, like, the A24 crowd, like, your audience isn't dumb. They can follow the stuff you're doing. They can pick up the breakdowns. You're, you're right. People who watch these types of movies aren't, aren't typically We didn't need them. to see that. And having it, having it cut to that, it ends the chain of the, like, everything is just Maud's perspective... Like, you could have just had her as angelic and just, like, swelled the chorus and cut to black. And that would be maybe more effective to me and hit me harder than this, like, smash cut that's like, ha, see, it wasn't real. I'll agree with you on that. That pulled me out. Um, So, yeah. Uh, So, all that said, I wasn't a super fan. I think it's, like, the shell of a great A24 film that doesn't quite just gel to those, like, peaks of some of the other ones. I do want to see whatever the people involved in this make next. I would give it like two stars. Wow. I think there's interesting Harsh. stuff here. I think there's stuff to That's like a fair rating. That's below average. Uh, I think there's stuff to like. I think there's things you can talk about, but I don't honestly know if I would ever revisit this one. Is that our lowest rated one yet so far? It might be. We'll have to go back and I don't check know. through. Sorry. If so, no, I mean, it's, it's your opinion, man. You know, it's okay to be wrong. It's, your, <laughs> it's like your opinion, man. Okay. All right, Michael. Well, yeah. I'll rebut. Okay. Close the deal. Okay. Allow me to retort. <laughs> so this was a blind watch for all of us. Mm-hmm. We kind of went in this with excitement because we love A24 and we're excited from all the hype on this. So I really, really like this film. I think that it did a lot right for me, but I think it could have done right for me because of other mm-hmm. deeper things that I had. So I've watched people go down very 
dark paths in the name of their faith because they were seeking something else that turned out to really needed to be mental health Mm -hmm. um, help. But instead, they turned towards something that ended up almost ah, taking them in a direction not healthy. Right. So I've seen this happen before. So therefore, that hit me on a personal level. Um, I also struggle a lot with mental health myself. So I've, like, without going too personal, you could almost see how quickly this could happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. If, like, just the wrong thing happened on the wrong day. Right. And you weren't as mentally strong as you thought you could be. I don't think I'd go to mod level, you know. <laughs> I hope not. But if somebody, if I didn't have a support system there for me and if I didn't have the mental health um, medical care that's there, you could see how someone could easily slip into into something very, very unhealthy and very dangerous. For sure. Yeah. So therefore, I kind of looked at this in under those circumstances and in, and in that frame. And I thought it captured it pretty well, you know, from some things that I've seen and dealt with. But I'm with you when you say that now about the end scene. Mm-hmm. I'm totally with you. I, I could have done without that flash. I think it's a shocking flash, you know. Right. But I think it'll play right to some people, even though it didn't play right to me. Well, I think the intention was for there to be no ambiguity at the end. Right. I think that's what the director wanted us Well, and I think feel. you do set a dangerous precedent there, too. If you're not careful with clearing out that ambiguity that you could almost send a message to someone that Maud's horrible actions paid off for her in the end. Right, if they did show her just being yeah, angelic. Yeah, if it did show her being angelic. I think that could be a dangerous thing to do. Yeah, I, I could see that point So, therefore, I get both ways. What mm-hmm. I personally would have liked, because I got that Maud was just very mentally ill, I would have liked to have seen just the angelic thing. Right. You know, I thought that would have been very cool, left you with a sense of like, oh shit, you know. Right. That, I think that would have been sure. the A24. And, 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 and most people are sophisticated enough to realize that they're not endorsing any of Mod's <laughs> right. actions. Right. They're not condoning that sort of thing. Most people realize that, I think. But, I, but you're, you're right. I mean, you never know. People may take the wrong message away from And who knows? Maybe the person who took the wrong message for it is going to send them down a public, like a publicity campaign that's just going to be fucking horrible to defend because <laughs> you know for whatever reason so i really liked it my wife not so much really? she actually didn't care for it that much at all yeah oh. um and we talked about it a lot after it was over but you know she gave me a lot of really good insight on you know the uh, medical trauma and things like that and even things she's seen just being a pediatrician like mm-hmm. she hasn't seen horrible horrible things but she's seen enough that she's like yeah i don't ever want to see that again um, <laughs> sure to where they can still haunt you. So, you know, she made it, took it to a realistic spot for me. Mm. Um, again, I thought direction was fantastic. Cast was great. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually really um, liked the soundtrack as well. It was almost a uh, dark song yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, it had a good vibe. It had that kind of ambient sort of thing going for it. So I dug that. Um, overall, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Cool. Oh, okay. Yep. So I will round us out. I'm not going to say it's perfect. No. Because if I rank my favorite A24 films, it's not very high up there. Mm, that, that was part of what was pushing me that way to you. But I tried to keep away from that because... I mean, I'm, you got to judge it on its own merits. It's hard for me to compare the feeling that I had after Hereditary. Right. You know, like, that one stuck with me for so long, it's hard to 
hard to hit that again. You know, so. aside, I still haven't rewatched that movie. I don't want Ooh. to. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to ruin that feeling it gave me. And I'm afraid if I keep rewatching it, it will. I, I just don't want to feel it again. That's my issue. I don't want to feel that again. That nice. was So my whole thing with that is uh, Tiffany was uncertain about it. So I went to see it alone. And then I came home and was like, tomorrow you we are to going watch. to see yeah, this. I am right. taking you to watch it. I am buying the ticket. I am buying everything. Good man. You're a, you're a benevolent significant other. <laughs> well, I guess that's Saint Maud, huh? That's yeah. Saint Maud. A little uh, divisive, but you know, I think all of us would say you should check it out. Definitely. Yeah, I don't think you can. And this is on Prime, right? So it's on it, Prime now. It is on Prime now. How I watched it, I don't know if you guys watched it, but it was streaming on that Epix. Yeah, we did Epix. Epix. Yeah. Um, which the cool thing is, is like it was a quick subscription. Uh, it's like five ninety nine, but you had seven day free trial. Mm-hmm. So I checked it out to see if there's anything else on on there I wanted to watch. There wasn't really. Not to knock them, but they got a weak selection. <laughs> so I think the world will be new, though. Maybe they'll build up their catalog. But it was. I was able to technically watch it for free. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't want to. Sure. I'll say check it out. Like if you if there's something else on there that you want to watch, watch it. You know, we, we and, also I think I think some of our <laughs> listeners may have realized that one of the criteria for a good movie for Michael is if it's free. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> is it, is that. it free? How much is it? <laughs> <laughs> How much does that cost? How much for just one rib? <laughs> But uh, we love you, A24. We will be back when the Green Knight drops. For oh, sure. oh, shit, yes. I, yes. I'm a junkie for that story. It was one of my favorite pieces of literature ever. So. That's going to be good. I'm so excited. The new trailer. The trailer is better than most movies. Oh, the trailer is awesome. This is the next one is just us wanking off to the Green Knight. <laughs> <laughs> so, the so next, that'll uh, be down the road, but look forward to that. Jason, you have the next pick. Okay. Well, I think the next one, we're going to go back to 1990. 1990. Yes. For me, the 90s was a dark decade, dark era. You know, for... many say that, but I would argue there's a lot of good stuff in there, the 90s. There is a lot of good things in there, and I think this is one of them. Although, asterisk here. <laughs> I haven't watched this since basically it came out, and okay. I'm anxious to revisit it. Okay. It, was, it, was, it affected me a lot back in the day, and I'm wondering, kind of like with Hereditary, can I recapture that feeling? I'm going to look at it with more, hopefully, mature eyes. Um, but it is the reflecting skin. Okay, heard of it, never seen it. Yes, interesting. It's it's very it's criminally un- unknown. Uh, directed and written by Philip Ridley. It does have Viggo Mortensen in it. Ooh, one of his I'm early, in one of his early roles. Nice. I love me some Viggo. Yeah. So, uh, ah, we'll uh, see what you guys think next time. Cool. All right, well, guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us babble about horror films or genre films for probably over an hour now. But uh, we're excited to do it again, so check us out next time. You've been listening to Genre Exposure. Bye, everybody. Take care.